Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, y'all give the worship team a hand clap, man. Hey, I ain't gonna lie, y'all killed it this morning. Y'all killed it this morning. That's it. Well, uh, if you don't know me, like Pastor Stephen said, my name is Stephen. Um, I've been coming to the house since October 2016. I wasn't here at the very beginning, so I'm not an OG, but like I was like right after, and so I tried to hurry up and get here. Um, but yeah, uh, that's I've been here since October 2016. A little bit about me. Um, I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Lindsay, and she's sitting right here. Ah, yeah, girl. Um, and we have a beautiful baby girl. Her name is Ari, and she just turned one this past December. Uh, she is walking, getting into everything, and keeping us busy. And so uh, we, we love her to death. Um, so around like a year ago, probably around this time, um, is when I came on to, the, uh, came on to staff um, as full-time. Um, and I am the creative director. And so um, you're probably wondering, like, what does that actually mean? And so I basically oversee three areas. Uh, one is social media. Uh, this is people walking around with cameras and their iPhone. Um, and basically, man, we, we believe that social media, it can still be a place where God can be ministered and where light can be. Because if you look at social media, anytime within the last two years, you can see that it could be a dark place. And so they're not paparazzi. They're not here just trying to get you looking all crazy with your, with your worship face. Like we're trying to tell a story of what God is doing here at the house. And so uh, like that shout out to the worship team, Bennett, make sure I look good today like this this is my good side all right all right and then next up we got the av team you got sound you got pro presenter you got live stream back there i'll tell you what guys these these guys have a stressful job like you think you have a hard time like these guys they're really back there putting in work but man like they do an awesome job they make sure that you guys aren't just singing watermelon because no words are up here they make sure that you can follow along with scripture um and they do a really good awesome job and last but not least we have the worship team and you just saw them and you just heard them right uh, man, they bring the fun, and we're here every Thursday alongside with the AV team, really looking uh, to, like, say, how can we prepare and how can we create moments for people to encounter the love of God? And so those are the areas that um, I oversee and I'm, I'm super passionate about. Um, but just to kind of move on here, man, like, last week, if you wasn't here, we got to celebrate five years of ministry, right? It was awesome. We had a great time. And I mean, you can't like you can't think about that and think about like, OK, like the person, the people that established that, who put it in place, who put in the hard work. And so I want to honor Pastor Stephen and Pastor Katie because like they were there at the beginning. Right. They had the vision and they said yes for other people to say yes as well. And so I just want to take a minute to honor you guys and say thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, you guys look good today, and um, I'm ready to, to jump right on in. And so uh, today I have the pleasure of being the last leg of the series that we are in called A Better Way. And so um, if you've missed the past couple weeks, listen, I want to highly encourage you to go back, and we make it easy for you guys to be able to go back and listen. We have the podcast, we have YouTube, we have Facebook, and you can stream any of those on demand. And so I encourage you guys to go back and listen if you've missed uh, any of the past weeks. But we're going to start off today in Exodus, uh, chapter 3, uh, 1 through 10. That's where we're going to start out today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. 
And it says here, one day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He left the flock far into the wilderness and, and came to the mountain of God. Then there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Uh, Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to, to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of the harsh slave masters. Yes, I am aware of the suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Come on, somebody. Uh, The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jezubites, all the ites, that's where they now are. (laughs) Um, So the the cry of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now, I know that this is a, like a super popular story. Like Everybody knows this story. Uh, but if you read the two chapters before this, you can see that Moses has a pretty crazy past, right? Like this dude was born in an era where the king of Egypt makes a mandate. He's like, you know what? Like the number of the Israelites are getting too large. And so what we're going to do is we're going to enslave them. And then we're also going to kill like all of the newborn Hebrew that are, that are male. And so like this isn't a great time for Moses because he fits all of those categories, right? (laughs) He's right in the boat. And so, um, but Moses, the Bible says that Moses' mom sees that Moses is special. So she hides him, right? And she keeps him a secret for as long as she can. And when she can no longer keep him a secret, she makes a little waterproof basket and she puts him on the river. And like, man, I hopefully you're going to make it. And just so happens, (laughs) just so happens like he's found by the princess of the guy who makes the kill order. Like, how crazy is that, right? And so picture him growing up like this happens. He, he gets saved and the, the pharaoh, uh, the princess of the pharaoh basically says, okay, like, we, I'm going to keep this dude alive. And I, like, it turns out so crazy because his parents actually be the ones that nurse him and keep him alive and, until he comes back to pharaoh's daughter. But picture this. Like Moses is growing up probably not really fitting in on, on either side, right? So, like, he looks like an Israelite, but he dresses like an Egyptian and probably, like, is talking like them and he looks like them. And so it's probably weird for this guy. He's like, man, like, I don't know exactly where I fit in here. And as he's growing up, he's seeing how, like, the Israelites are being treated. He's seeing the harsh treatment on them. He's seeing how they're enslaved and how they're really just getting, like, they're condemned. They're being whipped. They're, they're being told to build things. And, like, this, this stuff is all crazy to him. And so, like, he, he's growing up. And at some point, he takes matters into his own hand. He's like, you know what? Like, I, I see this, and I feel like it's not right, and I need to do something. And he ends up killing a guard. That's crazy. And so he kills the guard, and he has to escape because he's like, he doesn't want to deal with the repercussions of that. So he leaves. Moses goes to a foreign land. He starts fresh. 
he starts a family, and he becomes a shepherd. Like, this dude said, like, you know what? I'm going to go I'm gonna 180 this thing. I'm going to do a whole other different thing. And so now we're here, and God is speaking to Moses about, like, what God is planning to do. And if I'm Moses and I'm hearing all this, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm hyped because God is saying, like, you know what? I have seen the oppression. I have seen the mistreatment. I've seen the slavery. And I'm going to do something about it. And if I'm Moses, man, I'm sitting there. I got my popcorn. I'm laid back. My sandals are already out. I'm like, God, like, I've been thinking this this whole time. Like, like I'm glad you finally stepped in and do something about it because I've seriously, like, you know what, God? Like, I tried to handle it by myself. It really didn't work out that well. I killed a guard. I had to run and escape. But God was like, like, this is what I'm going to do. And so if I'm Moses, like, I'm cool on everything that God is saying until he gets to verse 10. <laughs> right? When he gets to verse 10, he said, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. If I'm Moses right there, I'm like, hold on. Like, what does God do with me? <laughs> You know, like he's sitting here and he's hearing everything that God is saying. But when he gets to verse 10, Moses is like, hold up. And the Bible documents five times where Moses questioned God. Um, And basically, this is what Moses is communicating to God. If you look at verse 11, he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 13, he says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Then you go to chapter four in verse one. What if they won't believe me or what if they won't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never even appeared to you, dude? You're making stuff up. And then you go down to verse 10. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Man, it sounds a little bit like me right now in this moment. Um, You go to verse 13, and he says, like, Lord, I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. Like, I just don't want to go. Can you send send somebody else? Right? You know what I mean? It's kind of like somebody asks you to do something you don't want to do. Like, say somebody, say, hey, like, I, I, I need to move, and I need your help with this, all right? And so, like, you hear that, and you're like, okay, like, how can I get up out of this thing? He's like, like, when, when are you moving? Oh, yeah, I'm moving Saturday. Oh, Saturday is no good. Saturday morning, I got to do something. Well, actually, it's in the evening. Oh, well, I got to do something for my wife then. Let me, let me double check with her. Well, I already talked to her, and she said she's coming to help. Oh, well, um... I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to help. Like, this is what Moses is saying here in this moment. I, I just don't want to do this, right? And so, you know, this conversation between Moses and God, it's just really funny to me because I don't know about you guys. Like, I haven't recently had any burning bush experiences. Like, I haven't walked in here and the guitar is on fire and God is saying, Stephen, I want you to do this. Like, I I haven't had any of those moments. Even when I feel like God is, like, really speaking to me, like, it's never been that evident. It's never been that clear to where it's like a burning bush experience. And so in my head, I'm thinking, like, if it was something like that, if it was that evident and clear, I would be like, okay, I guess guess I'm supposed to do this. Like, you the boss. Um, Like, even if it's just out of fear because I don't want God to be mad at me, I'm like, I'm going to do it because you're being super clear and direct. But Moses is like, no, like this isn't what this isn't what I want. I don't want to do this. And God, like I have some things for you to listen to because I, I think I have some stuff to say that maybe you haven't considered or maybe that you haven't even thought about. He's communicating his struggle with his past, his current ability 
his present fear, and his doubt. And as we look at this, I see that like Moses, when it comes to the plan of God for our lives, many of us in one way or another deal with insecurities that hinder us from moving forward. But today, I believe that even if it's just for one person, that there is a better way this morning. Amen? My assignment today is leaving insecurity. I was listening to this uh, message that Devin sent to me uh, by Dr. Darius Daniels, and he has this quote that I really, really liked. It said, God always assesses before he assigns. And the idea of that is that God truly knows us, right? In Jeremiah 1.5, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's room. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. So our parents made us, but God formed us, right? And so he knows what makes you sad. Like he knows what makes you happy. He knows why you get excited. Um, And he knows the root behind your pet peeve. Like he knows all of these. Can I tell you that the way that God knows you is better than any Enneagram or any personality test known to man? Like God knows you and he knows that with every, uh, with all the entails and everything that that encompasses. Like God is God and he doesn't miss a thing. So when we bring up our insecurities to God, he's not surprised. He's not, he's not sitting there saying like, you know what, Moses, you right. You kind of jacked up. Like <laughs> you killed a man, you stuttering with your words. This, I probably missed it on this one. Maybe I need to go talk to someone else. God isn't saying that. But the enemy would like to use those same insecurities and keep us in a broken cycle. He would like to keep us in a cycle where some of us believe, even here today, that we have to be flawless or perfect to be used by God. He would like to keep us in a cycle where we feel like we are forever disqualified if we messed up. He would like to keep us in a cycle where we constantly repeat like that certain hurt. That certain betrayal, that certain thing that someone said to us all these years ago, he would like to keep us in a cycle where we would repeat that and where we would cycle that in our brain. He would like to keep us in a cycle where we compare ourselves. When we look at other people's progress and we're not even on the same playing field and like they've been doing something for 20 years, but we look at, we look at that and we're like, man, I'm not there. Like, why can't I be there? And we, and we feel insecure about that. And some of us today, we even believe that we truly trust God in all those areas, right? We say, God, like, I trust you. But the reality is we don't trust God, and we don't even trust other people. And so we avoid help altogether, and we try to fix things on our own. And the enemy is banking for us to live like that. Like, he is banking for us to say, like, I'm going to take things into my own court Because he knows that if we live with insecurity, we can only go so far, especially in the kingdom. We can only serve and lead according to our own freedom in our individual lives. And so when we live insecure, we project heaviness on others because we demand validation. Someone tells us a good job, like, was it really a good job? Yeah, it was was a great job. Was it like, was it really a good job? Yes, it was a great job. I told you this two times. We don't even believe it ourselves. Like when we live insecure, we cease to live life-giving, and we begin to drain life out of others to make us feel good about ourselves. Now, nothing is wrong with affirmation, right? Like everybody loves to hear you did a great job. It's, It's nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, like, 
Everyone wants to do a great job, but we all have to get better too, right? And so we don't, we don't live in a way where, like, we're afraid that we got to get better because the truth is we all have to grow. Like, healthy things grow. And so especially here at the house, if you're here long enough, you're going to hear, like, we want to make things better. And there's nothing wrong with making things better. But our value and our worth can't be determined by something that can change. And people's opinion about you, like, that can change. The way you feel about yourself, that can change. Your ability and what you could do, that can change. And so we can't place our value in those things, even though we constantly want to get better. Like, I want to be a better husband today than I was yesterday. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better person overall. But when we constantly need to get approval from others, when every comment that someone tells us becomes an insult, uh, when, we, when we feel afraid to be ourselves because of others that are in the room, um, and when we beat ourselves up because of mistakes, we can know that there's probably some insecurity going on in our heart that we need to address or talk about, right? You see, the better way here is to leave insecurity for purpose. And so today I have two things that I want to, um, two things to remember while we are leaving insecurity. Two points for you guys. Number one is he will be with you. If you want to write that down, he will be with you. So when Moses asked, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead? Like the deeper question here that Moses was saying is, do you know, like, do you know where I came from? You're asking me to go back to the place where I ran from. Like Egypt was where I originated. Um, do you realize I killed a man back there? I ran, from my, I ran from Egypt to escape the consequences, and he's basically bringing up his past. And a lot of us feel the same way. Like, how can we face, like, what God is asking us to do with everything that's been done, everything that we've done, or everything that someone has done to us? But I love the way that God responds. Like, and God hardly ever responds the way that we expect him to, Right? Like we ask, like God, we just want to, we want a yes and an amen. And he's like, well, actually, I need you to slow down. Or we want God to say, we want God to slow us down. We say, actually, I want you to move. Like God hardly ever responds in a way that we, that we want him to respond. But he, he responds in such a profound way here, um, in a way that he was saying like, yes, I understand. I know everything that you've done. I know everything that's happened. Uh, but I still have a calling for you. And the reality is like, where you're, what you're asking about and what you're telling me about, that's not the focus. That's not the focus of everything. You can't, like, yes, these things happen, but you can't live there. Like, God doesn't identify us by our past and the things that we've done. And, yes, we're, as Christians, we believe that, like, we're constantly being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of God. And so what you're not hearing me say is, like, like none, none, nothing that we do matters. But what I'm saying is sometimes we get, we get our focus confused. We get our focus on, like, this is what happened, this is what's done, and I can't move forward. But God is saying, listen, like, yes, those things happen, but I still have a plan and I still have a purpose for you. God is saying, I have a destiny and a purpose awaiting for you. So when God responds, he's, like, saying, like, listen, I know who you are. But this is who I am, and I'm going to be with you. And that is the difference maker, that, and that's what really matters. Because think about this. What if, what if God told Moses, I want you to do this, but, like, I'm not going to be with you? 
So picture Moses, he's stuttering. He got all the baggage from his past, and he tries to go to, to Egypt to free the people of Israel. How many of you guys think that that would have worked out? Show of hands. Nobody in here, right? Like, that, that wasn't going to be a deal. Like, the way that God is with us, and I love it because God is actively with us. He knows in our own ability that we, that we don't have what it takes to accomplish what he is asking. But what God is saying is, I will actively be with you, and I will be everything that you need. So in every area that you lack, like, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way because I am God. And something happens when we begin to walk in that revelation. Something happens when we begin to walk in that conviction. We live differently. When we begin to live like that, we see that, okay, I can step into confidence now because I know the one who actually goes before me. I know the one who is behind me. I know which team I'm on. And I know that, yes, I lack here and I fear here. But God is stepping in that gap and saying, I am making up the difference. And I am stepping into something that's going to help you to be able to accomplish what I have for you. So whatever you lack, whatever you lack, he can make it out of nothing. Like, this is the God that made the universe, right? I, sometimes I think we miss this. We say, oh, yeah, he's with us, and, like, that's cliche, and I know this. Stephen, you can, you can keep on moving. But, no, this is the God who made something out of nothing. This is the God who, who reigns supreme. This is the God that, like, every name must bow underneath him, and he exists, and he is, like, supreme. And so this is the God that walks with us. He isn't passive. He is actively with us. And point two here is he equips you. You know, when Moses was concerned about the opinion of others, he was like, man, God, like, what if they won't believe me? Like, what if they say, like, man, you totally missed it? Like, what if you say, like, the Lord never appeared to you? God is saying, what is in your hand? You see, if you go back and read this, Moses had his staff, he had his cloak, and God, I believe that he, he equips every last one of us with a gift. Whether we know it or not, I know some people who know their gift, they're operating in it, and they love it. I know some people who, like, they're still trying to find that. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a gift for you. God has a gift for you, and through doing, through staying apart, through going to life groups, through going, doing coffee with people, by staying in community, sometimes that's when those gifts begin to come up. But God is saying, what is in your hand? He uses those gifts he has given us to produce undeniable fruit. And the proof will always be in the fruit. So we don't worry about the opinion of others because signs and wonders will always follow. If you go back and read everything that God did through Moses to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, bro, like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like... Turning, turning the water into blood, the, the, the locusts, the, the frogs, everything that Moses was doing was because he was using the gifts that God had like, basically equipped him to go with and do. And the thing about fruit is like no one can deny that. When you're operating in your gift and people know, like, and you know especially where you came from, like, who can deny that? When someone goes through freedom 
and they've been struggling for years with something, but they come out on the other side of that thing, they're healed, they're transformed, and they're stepping into more. Who can deny that? When, when maybe you're not a, a not-so-nice type of individual, you're, you're kind of, maybe you're a little rude. I ain't talking about nobody in here. But maybe, like, like by yourself, like, you're, you're just kind of mean. You don't like to talk to nobody. You would rather be alone. But you get connected to God, and you get connected to a church. And Sunday automatically, for some reason, it becomes exciting for you now. You're, you're, like, ready to see your people. You're, like, ready to see your team. You're ready to jump in worship. You're ready to amen the pastor. You can do that now if you want to. Like, like, you, like, you're ready to be a part of what God is doing, and you're transformed, and people identify you as a person of joy instead of a person of, like, I don't know what you want to call that person. Like, who can deny that proof? And so the fruit, the proof will always be in the fruit every single time. And basically, like, people can't deny transformation. So point one is basically that he will be with you. And point two is he equips you. When Moses was concerned about his ability to speak, and so we go from people's opinions, so, and then we go to ability, God is saying that he still didn't make a mistake. He's like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm built like this. I don't know if I'm able to handle what you are wanting me to do. Um, God is saying, again, he didn't make a mistake. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul is talking about boasting in our weakness. And, it, and Paul, as he's talking, um, God is saying to him, like, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Like Pastor Stephen even said, like, not too long ago, like, where we are weak, that is where God is strong. And so God is, a, is affirming that. So now I'm glad to now I am glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and my hardships and troubles that I suffer in Christ. For when I am weak, then I know that I am also strong. You see, it's really easy for us to focus on our weaknesses. But if God calls you to something, you can bet on it. You can take it to the bank that he will provide what you need to accomplish it. Even if it's in a person where Moses was like, I just don't want to go. He's like, you know what? I'm going to send Aaron with you. Like, God was, God was a such, it was such a boss move. Like, every time Moses had something to say, God had something to say. And he's like, dude, we can, we can go at this all day, but, like, I, I'm going to win. Like, I, I, I have everything you need, and I can equip you. Um, and God isn't like, I think we think about God sometimes, and we think he's like uh, the corporate world or something like that. Like, if you go to any big major company and they have an opening or a position that they want to fill, like, yes, they are looking for the most qualified person. They're looking for someone who has the degree, the 10 years of experience, the teams that they've worked with. Like, yes, they are looking for that guy. And we, I think sometimes we see God is like that. We're like, well, I don't fit those qualifications. And like, who made that up? Like, we did. Like, like, God is saying, like, listen, the qualification is in the call. Like, if I call you to it, you're already qualified. Even if it seems like your present ability isn't, like, where, where you think it should be, basically, in this call and through time, I'm going to get you to where you need to be. And so the first point, again, is he will be with you. And the second point is he equips you. Somebody say that. Say he will equip you. Man, and so basically when we are secure in the Lord, I believe that is when we realize 
that we can touch ministry. You see, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not any of those things, and I, and I never would claim to be. Um, but if you read through this, like, you can clearly see that Moses was dealing with insecurities. He was dealing with, he was dealing with his past. He was dealing with the things that he did, the things that happened to him. He was dealing with his ability that he felt that he was struggling with because he, he wasn't up to par with what he seen, what, what it seems like was required for him. But I think it's super important that when we face insecurities, that it's important for us to look at it through a spiritual lens. Not just for face value, not just what's happening in, in real time. I think it's important for us to step back and to look at it in a spiritual lens. Because the reality is, our insecurities are there for a reason. And both the enemy and God wants to use our insecurity. You see, the enemy, again, he wants to use our insecurity to keep us in a trap. He wants to keep us in a cycle, and he wants to stunt our growth. Stunt our growth. But God is looking at our, our insecurity, and he's saying, look, listen, this is an indicator and an opportunity for us to give it to him. You see, at the, at the end of everything that God was saying to Moses, like, um, Moses still had to make a choice. And I think sometimes we, we can get all the way up until that point. God, God has reaffirmed everything. He's like, dude, I got your back. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to equip you. And we can still be on the threshold of, like, not really stepping into it. But today, like, just like Moses, like, eventually he had to take a step. And even though Moses had to deal with all of those thoughts to work through, I bet those same insecurities that felt so big that had him stifled, that, that had him condemned, those insecurities that felt so huge, like on the other side of obedience, on the other side of where like God had breakthrough after breakthrough provided and made sure that he was taken care of, that those insecurities at that point felt so small. But the reality is, like, you will never face, like, you will never get to the point where you see that those insecurities can be taken care of by God without moving forward. Uh, Pastor Katie was talking to the staff meeting, uh, like, this past week, and she, she had this thing that she said called faithing it and not faking it. You know, faking it is where, like, we're just trying to, like, prove to ourselves and prove to everyone else that, like, we are who we say we are. We can do what we say we can do. Um, but faithing it is when we are trusting in God, right? And we, we go through and we take a step forward even if we are not feeling it in that exact moment. Because the reality is if we wait till we feel it, we will never go. We will never take a step. Because you can feel it one day and not feel it the next day. You're like, man, what did I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this back. I'm not going to really step into this. But I love this because God gave Moses a sign. Um, if you go back to Exodus uh, 3.12, the sign was when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And this was before Moses said everything that he had to say to God. Like, he says this the first time. He's like, he gives, gives Moses this sign when he said, like, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead? 
And I believe that was almost like, it was almost like God was prophesying this over him. He was saying like, like I believe that God was basically saying for us, like I've already seen what's going to happen. I've already seen that you're going to overcome how you feel. I already see that that lack of confidence, that insecurity, and you're going to move forward and you're actually going to do what I have for you to do. And after you do that, you're going to be able to come back to the very thing that stopped you originally and worship God for everything that he has done. You see, God already sees your end. He already sees you getting over that abusive thing that someone said to you so long ago. He already sees you being at work and being overlooked for that promotion or feeling like, man, I don't want to chase after this again because I feel like I'm going to get hurt. God sees you on the other side of that where you, are, you have stepped into it, you faced it, you gave that insecurity over to him, you have done what he, he's asked you to do, and now you are like worshiping him because he has done that. And so where are you guys at this morning? And I want to take some time to think about this because... Like, ultimately, the ultimate way to have confidence comes through Christ. Like, if we don't have Christ in our life, like, we can try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can try to be more disciplined. We can try to do all these other things, but those things aren't the better way. We have to first put our trust and our confidence in God and make him the Lord and Savior of our life. And second here, we, we may have some people that are here, and you may be lost in confidence. From whatever has happened to you, like you say, I don't, I don't have confidence in God right now because I'm struggling through this. And this, this thing seems so huge in my life that I don't think that even God can handle it. But today, I think he's wanting us to take a step. I think he's wanting us to face it, to take a step either, even though we don't know, like we don't feel it right now. And we don't have that confidence to move forward. Like he's saying that is going to come as you're stepping I'm going to meet your need in every, in every situation. And so I want to take a moment here as the worship team begins to sing, to just say, like, God, I'm going to give this over to you. I want to, I want to trust you, and I want, to, I want to release this. And so let's take a moment here to worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.